Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined right here in the studio by Allison Weist. Hello, Allison. Hello, Sarah. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you doing? I'm doing shockingly well. For uh, We're recording this intro um, three days after the marathon, after the Twin Cities Marathon, and I feel staggeringly good you look great oh you're very sweet with my new sweatshirt on love um, it yep yep um goes with little pearl earrings so uh fake pearl earrings uh so anyway yeah i um as i said on last week's podcast i have never felt better in the days after a marathon than i did after this one and i owe it all to coach amanda is that, that what okay i was gonna mm-hmm. ask what's your... yeah because i felt good after all my long training runs like i mean sure the i felt beat up the day of but the next day would always feel really good. Um, or, you know, rel- you know, I didn't have any lingering soreness, let's say that. And this one, I mean, if I had gone to a massage and they had tried to massage my, work on my quads, I would not have shrieked and jumped off the table when they got near my quads. Okay, so tell me more, tell me more. Or yeah. can you tell me more? Is this Coach Amanda's? Well, Sandy and, and uh, Donnie Zuko. Um, <laughs> that's funny because we made a uh, Pink Ladies reference in last week's podcast. It's just grease everywhere we turn. Um, um, I don't know whether it was because I ran uh, two, well, one 21-miler and one almost 21-miler as well as one 20-miler. Okay. Um, or, I mean, uh, I didn't push quite as hard as I was capable of, which I'm fine with. I made that it was a conscious decision. And, um, so I didn't get as beat up, but I mean, I, I mean, again, as I said last week, I crushed the final 10 K just blitz along and I I also that there's a a fair bit of gradual climbing in that and I had really trained well for it good so you know and I was running five days a week so my legs were um getting beat up on kind of a regular basis Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. I don't know it's nice so yeah 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 Yeah. um so but the other thing I want to talk to you about the marathon because you are a Portlander um, transplant Portlander as as am I um was amazing to me to see people's reaction to the forecast of rain and then how they handled the rain and how they talked about the rain and so it was um raining some before the start of the marathon so during the 10 miler and i was um seated on the curb underneath this overhang of i think the stadium where the vikings play and so was talking to several different people and they were uh from minnesota but one woman had moved to olympia washington so she knows from the pacific northwest Every single person who was there in Minnesota was like, oh, I'd much rather run when it's 30 below than run in the rain. And what? I was like, yeah, the, I wish we could have captured the look you just gave in audio <laughs> because, I mean, I just, and, and the night before I'd been at a party or a you know, dinner gathering and um, they were like, oh no, if it's raining, we just delay, delay until it's not raining. And All I was right. like, Oh, then we'd never run That's in right. the wintertime. Let me ask if it was an East Coast rain or what I call a Pacific Northwest Correct. rain. Well, that's the thing because it was not, uh, I mean, out in other parts of the country, when it rains, it is typically big fat raindrops that are closely spaced together. Mm-hmm. The rain that I experienced in the final 10K were medium-sized drops that were very widely spaced apart. Like if you were if you were Tom Cruise in some sort of video game, you could almost <laughs> run amidst them without getting hit by them. And 
so it wasn't because I mean then when I flew out that night it was pouring okay pouring pouring like one where you know it's all just streaking down the plane windows and making big puddles out on the tarmac it was not doing that and it just was amazing to me that because I know you and I particularly with our Raynauds would you know running out in the cold is not good for us no and but also just that I think once you get in the rain you don't really notice it that much it's when agree. it's when you it's walking out that back door and taking those first you know running that first half mile or whatever and then when you get home and you get inside where everything's dry and you realize you are a literal wet blanket um yeah you know and you want to strip down in your bathroom so that you can drop your clothes on tile rather than on wood floor or something but um so i just sort of wonder whether it's the perception of rain or whether it's the reality of rain well, I also think it's what you're accustomed to. Mm-hmm. Um, if mm-hmm. if we didn't run in the rain, uh, literally that would put us out of training for a good six months out and of every, the year. And every spring marathon, forget oh, about it. Oh, it would be out. Yeah. It'd be out. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. And yet people also maybe don't understand that out here we have what I kind of call a lot of spitty weather mm-hmm. where you go out and it's either this light drizzle or you just literally sort of feel like the heavens are every once in a while taking a huck at you. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, yes, to, to put it indelicately. <laughs> um, so I think it's what you're accustomed to, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but I'd much rather run out here in you know 50 degree 50, 50 rain. or 55 degree rain which is right. what it was in in the twin cities okay because i think to me you know what I, what I was telling people at the race expo on saturday is there's a big difference between like 55 degree rain and like 40 degree oh, rain no. oh no 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 no. 40, 40 degree, degree rain, rain is when you start to go white right you know or you, you know your extremities start to get very pale they uh you know you start to shake a lot you know it's it's unhealthy and and it just it, I don't know it just was not, it, I liked it. it I thought oh I'm better hydrated than I am because you get a sense <laughs> that it's going in through your pores um, so and I really felt very much at home literally at home in that final 10k oh good uh, oh, yeah. that's a great feeling yeah yeah, yeah. so um, so hey listeners don't don't shy away from running in the rain. Go out there and give it a chance. Just wear one of our... We have tons of new running hats here in the room where we are at our Mother Runner store. Yeah, I'm seeing a really cool purple one. Purple that one. I that's brand new. I know. On the way out. That one hasn't even made it onto the site yet, but it's our pink Bammer hat, running hat, that is now available in purple and blue Ooh. instead of pink and lime green. Ooh. And uh, we got... Oh, yeah. We have a lot of running hats right now, and they ward off the rain you know and as i've said a ton of times it's a portable porch i feel as long as you're not getting buttressed with rain on your face you know it's fine and also then the rain mixes with sweat and it's it's all good yeah Um, yeah yeah no and those of us with glasses it's oh right right yeah 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 Mm -hmm. i hadn't thought of Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. hadn't thought of that okay well so you brought some books over with you i did what a shock i (laughs) know it's like the bookmobile showing up (laughs) that's right i always have to have them with me i'm very uh, you know tactile when it comes to (laughs) my books do you think bookmobiles still exist Oh, yes. I loved the bookmobile when I was young. Loved it. Yeah, yeah. I think in rural communities, they're still a going concern. Oh, okay. Uh, All right. But do you think they're still funded? 
I would hope so, but yeah. you know, here again, listeners chime in on that one. Right, because, tweet to us. Yeah, 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 yeah. I certainly hope they are. Ooh, yeah, I know. I'm sad if we don't get at least a couple of tweets on <laughs> right, that. Right, right. Mm. All right. So, what you reading? Well, uh, during the summer reading podcast, I mentioned a book that I was excited about a debut called "My Absolute Darling" mm-hmm. by Gabriel Talent. Um, and folks who follow me on Instagram and Twitter will know that the word that I used after I finished the book was gutted. Mm. Um, and I mean it, well, I, I, I mean, mean it in a, very in a positive slightly sense. positive <laughs> way. <laughs> right, right. Uh, um, this uh, is a marvelous debut, but it's, it's a bit dark in places. Um, uh-huh. Let he, me hold it. Let me hold it right, while you're talking. Okay. There you go. As long as you promise to give it yeah, back. Yeah, right. It features a teenage uh, oh, protagonist. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this yeah. has been getting a ton of, of it has uh, press. Been. Turtle, you know mm-hmm. her name, and she'll stick with you because she uh, she's one of these heroes or heroines that uh, isn't isn't shiny perfect, but she lives in social isolation with her charismatic uh, sociopathic father. And once Turtle realizes that there's a life outside of what she's been accustomed to we learned that her father will do everything in his power to prevent her from living it and mm. honestly there were times when I had to pause and look away from this book mm. uh, but I wouldn't have missed it for the world but I remember reading like the final 50 pages outside brilliant sunshine and I just had to get up a couple of times and just walk around because it's it's pretty intense um I'd recommend it for readers who enjoyed uh, The Twelve Lives of Samuel Hawley Hmm. by Hannah Tenty, which came out earlier this year and also features a young female protagonist. With the young female protagonist, when you handed it to me, I was reminded of um, The Lovely Bones. The, that's funny that you mentioned that because I'm uh, my second book reminded me of that. Oh, that's yeah. interesting, which I adore that book. Adore, but I cried and cried yeah. and cried every single time I read The Lovely Bones. For me, that's a really hard protagonist to get on board with because, and I don't know whether I should blame it on age, but I've just found that a lot of what are called coming-of-age novels, mm-hmm. a lot of them just do not strike mm. a chord with me, and this one did. Okay, so you're saying My Absolute Darling did. My Absolute Darling definitely did. And I I sense that you were saying that The Lovely Bones did not. No, The Lovely Bones did. Um, Mm -hmm. I I still have my copy at home. Um, So do I. I I have my own copy, not your copy. Good. I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I also think that this one, I've recommended it to folks who love the secret history, as you and I talk about how much Mm -hmm. we love that one. And people have said, why? Because the plot is extremely different. But this one is... It's got that same intensity that I remember from reading The Secret mm-hmm. History. And you and I have talked about whether we should reread it. Yes. Yes. Um, and we'll talk in a minute when it was we had that conversation. But yes. I want to save okay. that for a time. But yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's another book called Brewster by Mark Sloka. I believe that's the way you pronounce it. It's S-L-O-U-K-A. We'll have it in the show notes. That's another a coming-of-age novel, this time uh, featuring a young teenage boy, but I was reminded of that one as okay, well. Okay, what's the name of that novel? Brewster. B-R-E-W-S-T-E-R. Like okay. Right. But I can't say that, you know, I, I also feel I kind of need to warn some readers about my absolute darling, uh, but I will say this. I do not like violence in a novel, mm-hmm. uh, especially sexual violence, mm-hmm. um, but this I was able to stick with mainly because of turtle oh uh-huh huh yeah. hmm. all right and the second one uh speaking of the lovely bones is uh renee denfeld's 
second novel, which is called The Child Finder. Mm-hmm. And this renewed my faith in mystery thrillers. Oh. I mean, you know me, honestly, I'd gotten to the point where I was dis- despairing because I was so, I've been so underwhelmed by so many books in the genre. I will not name names. Oh, come on, you got it. Well, but how about tell me just two books that are in that genre so I understand what you mean by a mystery thriller. Well, Gone Girl and okay. The Girl on the Train. Okay, Both gotcha. Of those, okay, okay. I yeah, could yeah, yeah. not, you know, and I've seen mm-hmm. so much. You know, so many people have, have mentioned those books to me, and I tried reading both of them. I got farther along in Gone Girl than mm-hmm. I did uh, in The Girl, Girl on the Train, mm-hmm. but I'm sorry. I, they just struck me cold. So mm-hmm. this one, uh, it's set in Oregon. Oh, mm-hmm. In fact, Dan mm-hmm. lives here in Portland. Oh. Um, and it features a woman named Naomi mm-hmm. whose past has shaped her into a private investigator with a talent for finding missing children. Hmm. Um, so the stories are wrapped around the disappearance of a five-year-old girl named Madison. Mm-hmm. And what set this book apart for me was the juxtaposition of Naomi's backstory mm. and um, the mystery of what happened to, to Madison. Mm-hmm. And it's a mesmerizing story, and the writing is excellent. Mm. Um, several people have compared it to The Lovely Bones, um, mm-hmm. but I really think that anybody who appreciates a well-crafted mystery needs to pick this one up. Oh, uh-huh. Huh. Um, I was very, I was intrigued both by the characters and by the story. Oh, uh-huh. Huh. Yeah. I wonder if she was in, I'm totally spacing on that boy's name, the one who disappeared over on the west side. Oh, gosh. Oh. Kyle, Kyle, Kyron Horman. Horman. Yeah, Kyron yeah. Horman. I wonder that's if right. she was inspired by that. I mean, that Might so gripped Portland. Anyway. And still does. Every time so, something comes up, I'm I like, want oh to my know goodness. what happened with that. I think everybody does. Yeah. 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 So. yeah. Um, all right, and your third book has a has an interesting. Um, we had an interesting conversation about before we got on air. We talked with Alex <laughs> about the. It's um, I guess we should say what we were talking about. the The book first is called "Dying: A Memoir" by Corey Taylor. Come, it came out from Ten House Books, and they're here in Portland, and they often put <laughs> out these really cool. I, uh, just really cool editions. This one is a smaller, small um, hardback. The book itself is less than 140 pages, and it has this cool... Darling. Darling. Uh, uh, Al- Alex equated it to old-fashioned wallpaper. I think it's very charming bird, um, kind of um, bota- bird print meets botanical, um, repeating pattern. Yeah. over it that I find very pleasing of course because you know put a bird on it and I come from the east coast <laughs> and a house full of wallpaper so uh, originally so but then what uh, it's also has a slight texture it feels like it should have a cover over it yeah and um, I don't like the rough texture whereas Alex likes the texture but doesn't like the birds so and I like both hit, of them to each their own that's right so we've mm-hmm. hit every we've hit yeah. all the markers right, right. we need someone who doesn't like either though <laughs> that's okay. right yeah that's right we'll go out looking for yeah. that person yeah. next time <laughs> um and I I guess I'm I have to apologize to listeners because they're probably thinking my god Ellison all the only memoir she likes are dead, dead people they're written by dead people <laughs> um but I I don't know there's something about some of these memoirs where I guess these people I guess if you're really looking at the face of death uh, mm-hmm. things become extremely clearly I'm you know I would uh, put this with uh, the book um, that I mentioned a couple of podcasts ago called um, Bright Hour mm-hmm. by Nina yeah. Riggs yeah, yeah. and um, I just think that she and Taylor 
the author of this book, have zeroed in on some truths and some wisdoms that the rest of us really don't, haven't been able to pick up on. Um, I'm just going to flip here a bit and just read something that really oh, stood okay. out for okay. me. This is from on page 42. The problem with reverie is that you always assume you know how the unlived life turns out, and it is always a better version of the life you've actually lived. The other life is more significant and more purposeful. It is impossibly free of setbacks and mishaps. This, this split between the dream and the reality can be the cause of intense dissatisfaction at times. But I am no longer plagued by restlessness. Now I see the life I've lived as the only life, a singularity saturated with its own oneness. Wow. And I just, there were gems like that throughout the whole book. Mm -hmm. um, she also talks a lot about her past. She had a very peripatetic father, a father who moved around a lot, and a mother who wanted a much better life. Mm. Um, so it's it's a real gripping story, and like I say, it's less than 140 pages. You can mm -hmm. knock it out on a weekend. Mm -hmm. I am amazed at people who are given a, a terminal diagnosis and then choose to spend their final months writing. Yes. Yes, when a tailor was a writer, so oh, I know, oh, I know, oh, I'm saying that, but that regardless of whether that was their um, occupation or, I mean, I think about that um, the gentleman who gave the TED talk that um, that book was oh, huge. Gosh, yes. Oh, now we're both oh, going to. Oh gosh. Oh, I got it. I got it. It was Randy Posh, the, the last, last lecture. lecture. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and just to because I mean, you know, the age-old question, you know, you're you're told you're going to die in six months. What do you do? You know, and and I, I mean, write, uh, writing a book takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. It takes you out of the sphere of being with your family or traveling to Paris and Burma, you know, wherever right. you want to go and see or what, you know, or spending a ton of time with your kids or your whoever. And so there's a real selflessness there to say, I'm going to take down my observations and my musings and share them with you. I agree. I agree. And I think there must be, in some cases, just a real drive or a real obsession that mm -hmm. it has to come over you mm -hmm. because you're right in, in all those areas. And all of these people had children, you know, mm -hmm. Nina Riggs, I'm not sure if it's Nina or Nina, mm -hmm. um, had two young boys mm. I mean, under the age of 10. Oh. Um, so, yeah. So do you think um, these books, I mean, I think they are um, important books for, for everybody to read, but if you knew someone who had recently been given a diagnosis, is it the type of thing you'd give to them? That's it interesting. Because I have a friend who passed away in, in August at the age of 51 from mm -hmm. cancer, and he and I had conversations about that, and he went through a period where he felt like he just wanted to let go and he talked to several people who gave him um being mortal mm -hmm. by atul gawandi and then also uh when breath becomes air right and it was interesting because he told me and this is you know just one person but he said i picked up the uh when breath becomes air i read the first two chapters and i put it away mm-hmm so I, I don't know. That's one person's experience. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. He said to me, why would I want to read books about dying when I'm dying? Well, that's the thing. That, I mean, right. Right. Because, you know, I, I don't, ah, yeah, uh, it's tough. 
I don't know. I mean, you know, I guess when you're looking outside, and I've said this to my husband before, when you're looking from the outside and you don't have that diagnosis, there's a part of me that's like, there's so much information in mm-hmm. these novels, not just thoughts, thought processes, um, you know, sort of deep understandings, but there's also information. And mm-hmm. that was a lot of what appealed to me. Mm-hmm. Um, was it was almost like being able to step outside of yourself, your mm-hmm. healthy self, fortunately, mm-hmm. and see it through this person's eyes. So that to me, but maybe you know, if you have that diagnosis, that's a whole different. Yeah, and I and I asked for a very specific reason, and uh, this is um, uh, that, and it's not about me. Um, uh, so I, um, Jack, my husband had a family member uh, just get a. Uh, terminal diagnosis or a very serious diagnosis last mm-hmm. week and I was gone in Twin Cities and um, he asked uh, my best friend Chalkley texted her she lives in New York texted and said should I let Sarah know before the race or not and um, so he did not and so he told me Monday morning and but when I got back from uh, Twin Cities the entire family picked me up and at that point only Phoebe knew the news and um uh, and they, it was late. It was like 10 o'clock Pacific time. So that was, you know, midnight. I, that was the day I'd run the race. And no one in my, in the van asked me anything about the race. Like it, like they just really, they didn't even ask how the trip was. Oh and I just, and it really irked me. And, um, I just thought, okay, I'm not going to get on their case tonight. You know, I'll talk about it tomorrow. And, oh, and like, but, you know, I was like, okay, but I, I'll, you know, Jack had gone to this uh, Ducks football game, you know, so I asked him about that and he's telling me all these details and I just was seething while he was talking. I just thought, really? Like, I don't, I don't like football. I don't care about it. And I just thought, really, you expect me to care about this when you're not even going to ask me how I experienced my race today? And, but, you know, just kept my trap shut. And then the next morning when he told me that, I just thought, oh my gosh, like, yeah. I was so glad I didn't let loose on him. Um... And it just put a lot of things in perspective. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, anyway, that I was just thinking, oh, you know, it sounds like a good book to share with this person. And I thought, mm, you know. Yeah, I think you're going to have to sort of test the waters first, which mm-hmm. is um, what I did with, with my friend. And he, I think, appreciated it and was getting some of the same advice from other people. But I almost think that in his case, it would have been more wise to read it at the beginning mm-hmm. of his diagnosis mm-hmm. so possibly that's mm-hmm. yeah I think you're just gonna have to feel the person out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so um so let's let's get back to books I didn't mean to um get heavy there um so uh I mentioned to you that I got an email this morning from our favorite Multnomah County Library um to let me know that uh, a book I'd put on hold is in it's uh, the new Claire Masood novel uh the burning girl yes and remind me the name of her most recent novel before this well the uh, i cannot remember the one before that but i remember the one two back which was one of my favorites the emperor's children right right um, which we talked i'm pretty sure we talked about on maybe the 2015 summer reading oh, podcast, yeah. maybe it's, it's older than that but we may have mentioned it because the the novel i think there's only one novel that comes in between that mm-hmm. um and I'm blanking on the title, so maybe you can do a little investigation. Mm-hmm. But I know that the one that followed The Emperor's Children, I did not care for at all. So the woman upstairs? The woman upstairs, mm-hmm. that was it. Um, Thank you, Google. <laughs> and A Burning Girl is getting 
mixed reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, it is also a, a bit of a um, coming of age. Oh, uh-huh. uh con- it is, If memory's striking me, it's the a relationship, friendship between two young girls. Oh. And then as they move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but hmm. I'll, I'll let you read it and Okay, well, because it's, it's a question of whether I'm going to get to dash in the library before I... Um, leave tonight on a flight to Cape Cod. Oh. So uh, I also I think it'll still be there maybe for the f- I don't know. I, I guess I could always ask Jack to pick it up. I'm debating whether it's worth the trip over there to pick it up. Right. So uh, well, E, I think you and I could talk for hours about books, which um, I do want to get in a plug. Um, you, th- that is a nice segue to you are starting a podcast. I am. I, with your encouragement. And Alex's encouragement. Yes. I really Our hats are off to Alex because Alex was the one who planted the seed. And we love when a 20-something young man sees the value in um, the <laughs> words and insight of um, women who are um, perhaps slightly older than he is. Slightly. Slightly. <laughs> hey, stop laughing so much there, Alex. <laughs> no, no, hats off. When you told me that he had really uh, planted that seed, I was extremely overwhelmed and grateful and yeah. excited. Yeah, yeah. So um, so we recorded last week, we recorded uh, what you tell me is going to be the debut episode yes, the of... the Book Bully Pilot. Yes, the book bully. So, um, so, and we will have it in the AMR feed when right. it does come out. And do you have a sense of when? Uh, I probably going to have to bow a little bit to Alex, but my understanding is we probably need to get. And here I'm going to, you know, talk shop uh, three or four in the can in the before can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> before we present it. So it'll probably be at least another month. Okay. So do we want to say November? Sometime that in sounds November. good. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe. Or, uh, okay. Thanksgiving-ish. Okay, yeah, very good. Something. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. right, right. Down. Yeah, maybe yeah. it's maybe it's raining outside, so you want to stay inside <laughs> and not run. <laughs> yeah, right. So, uh, yeah. So the book bully podcast. Uh, very excited for that, and just thank you. Um, just, just really excited, and I have called it, and I will say it now again. I see it as the Laverne and Shirley to my happy days, to our happy days. You are a, the first spinoff of. <laughs> Another Month Runner podcast. <laughs> I'm trying to remember how Laverne and Shirley did. <laughs> oh, come on. I love Laverne and Shirley. Good, love good. them. I sometimes feel Dim and I are Laverne and Shirley, um, which in that scenario make me Shirley, which I don't like. So Okay, no comment. <laughs> not commenting. Laverne. Not getting in this one. <laughs> um, so, oh my goodness. So we have uh, just a fantastic guest today. Our guest is... Alicia Montano, a 2012 Olympian and seven-time, seven-time U.S. champion in the 800 meters. Alicia is known as the Olympian with the flower in her hair. She's also the mom of the cutest three-year-old girl. I want to eat her. (laughs) And she is pregnant with baby number two due in November. We will welcome Alicia Montano on after this quick break. Please stay tuned. So we are joined today by Alicia Montano, a 2012 Olympian and seven, seven-time U.S. champion in the 800 meters. Alicia is known as the Olympian with the flower in her hair. She is also mom of the cutest three-year-old daughter and pregnant with baby number two due in November. Welcome, Alicia. We are so happy to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Yeah, so so let's start by rewinding things a little bit. Tell us about your start in running and how you morphed into a top middle distance runner. 
Oh, man. Well, I feel like I'm a little bit like my daughter. Um, the start in running like was kind of like the start in life. <laughs> um, I have lots of energy, so I'm a very energetic person. I feel like my mom was like, seriously, is what is like a sport where she could just use all of this energy? <laughs> so I started off doing many sports. I did soccer, basketball, um, and it actually all of those sports carried all the way through high school. Um, of course, joining the track team was um, basically my older cousin. I grew up with wow. my one brother and um, six male cousins, and wow. they were um, they did track a little bit earlier than I did. They, all the sports and then track in our hometown. And um, I was like, I want to do it too, but it was almost like more of a supplemental sport because it's running you know it's like oh okay let's put her in this when soccer and basketball isn't happening because she still needs burn energy <laughs> <laughs> and somehow many many years later um 18 years later it ended up being the sport where i uh, ended up with a full ride to the university of cal berkeley where a ton of dreams came true um i think people always ask if i if i always wanted to be an olympian and the answer is like yes in many ways but it was actually like I remember writing like I want to be the best athlete in the world but mm -hmm. I was also like I want to be the best uh you know speller in the world I want to be <laughs> <laughs> just kind of my personality and just because it took off in that avenue I was determined to be the best or like you know do my very best to be the best version of myself and hopefully be the best you know of the best um nice. while pursuing it yeah nice great yeah. well I have to echo uh the thoughts about your cute three-year-old daughter I have seen several pictures of her and I will admit I want to eat her <laughs> she is darling we totally belong in our family we always talk about eating cheeks and like arms and legs and things uh, like that that's yeah, that's right. that's I, I, so my, my best friend and I we are big people who want to eat a baby up and you know that sort of thing and, and I have occasionally said that to people who totally don't get exactly. it exactly yeah. yes yes I, I had one one woman who just held her baby a little closer <laughs> like, the problem is not me it's you, if you that's, right. Baby. Okay. <laughs> that's right that's right well along those lines we laugh when we see on twitter that your bio starts with that pregnant runner <laughs> and i come from a generation where most doctors would have called me crazy mm -hmm. if I decided to race at six or eight months pregnant, but you had a much different discussion with your doctor. Mm -hmm. um, tell us how that conversation went. Well, first of all, I'm very thankful that I became pregnant in 2014 for the first time because um, I think a lot of midwives and doctors were trying to urge women to exercise at that time. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe some time before that, but especially when I was pregnant because it was my first time, they're like, we have been trying to urge women to exercise in their pregnancy, but there's this long-standing myth about you're going to miscarry, you're going to, you know, uh, cause all these sort of these problems. But the it's the actual opposite. We have all these problems because people are being sedentary in their pregnancies, mm -hmm. and obviously in life in general, pregnant or not. Um, exercise is good for you. Um, mm -hmm. It's good for your heart. It's good to promote healthy blood flow. Um, it combats diseases. And um, ultimately, while carrying a fetus, it helps um, promote healthy uh, cells and brain growth. So it stimulates, you know, brain growth. And so, um, yeah, I had this conversation with my doctor because it's my first time pregnant. And I'm like, okay, I have other women that I've seen run who I admire very much, Kara Goucher being one of them, Paula Radcliffe, mm -hmm. um, and their children are absolutely fine. And I started like that, you know, I'm like, can I 
exercise and run in my pregnancy. She's like, oh my gosh, please do. Oh, you know, wow. so I don't think you understand. Um, I like am a professional runner. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, it's not jogging. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I just want to be clear. Like I, I like, you know, my standard of running could be a little different. I just want, you know, she's like, whatever you were doing beforehand, you can continue doing. Obviously, listen to your body. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's going to be things that shift and change. Your first pregnancy is probably going to go, I mean, especially coming from a fit standpoint, it's likely it's going to go really smoothly and you're not going to feel aches and pains as early if you keep fit. Um, and, um, yeah, so I definitely recommend you doing that. So I, I, I've been never from the very beginning, didn't feel any other way besides this is what I should be doing. Um, and again, there was examples before me that were amazing. And then you start running and you're like, I feel so much better exercising than not exercising. Right. I think the first trimester with my, with Linnea was, I was very tired. Um, I think that lasted about eight weeks before it, like, it was very, very tired. And so naturally it felt like, okay, since I'm tired, I'm just going to try to sleep all day. Mm-hmm. And instead I'd feel worse. I'd get nauseous. I'd feel like dizzy. I'd have a headache. Um, and then the, you know, when you're combating sleeping, you like do things like not eat regularly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, mm-hmm. there's so many things that were not great about that idea, you know? So that lasted me about like the first week when I was like, okay, I'm pregnant. This is so new to me. I'm going to do something different. So I'd get up and instead I'd be like, when I feel really crappy, it's crappy. Okay. Oh, you betcha. You betcha. (laughs) (laughs) There's other words that, you know, but crappy sounds like the best one. Uh, (laughs) Um, um, and when I, I just would, I would be like, I'm going to get out and I'm going to get fresh air. And then when I get out, that'd be the first goal. I'd get fresh air. And then I'd feel like, okay, I'm going to walk a little faster. And then I start feeling like good and they're like oh I'm gonna jog Uh and so that kind of was the inception of me like being like I this is feels so much better to me than not doing this and I was about seven weeks at this time um I think four to four actually it was like five to six weeks like first week where I was Uh like oh like how do I do this you know and Uh then I just felt better 30 minutes Uh bought me a little energy obviously it wasn't the same energy that I would have gotten if I wasn't pregnant but it was enough to feel better like I didn't I I feel like I combated nauseousness with Uh movement and fresh air nice um and so yeah that's how the journey began and I just took it as it came I remember coming in at 10 weeks to to team practice and nobody knew I was pregnant yet my coach knew I was pregnant Uh and I was like oh, like I, I'm starting to feel better. Like the kind of the super tiredness started to lift around 10 weeks. So I was mm-hmm. like, I want to come to practice. And I came to practice and they were doing this, what we call a progressive run. It was six miles and I felt pretty good. I was with the team and they were running, you know, they started at seven minute pace and they started to drop. Wow. And that's when I realized I was actually really pregnant because when they dropped paces, mm-hmm. I wasn't able to really drop the pace. I, I could stay at a constant, pretty fast clip in the beginning, you know? Yeah, yeah. And without, you know, puffing and puffing or anything just naturally being able to do that and then um <laughs> and then they you know I trained with the I was training with the college kids so oh when they dropped me I bet they were all like oh my god is Alicia okay <laughs> you know like, <laughs> I just, like I come slogging in like two miles behind them like I don't know how it's like 15 minutes later <laughs> and uh and yeah it's kind of funny because I really wanted to say something but it's that you have that especially with first pregnancy is like, where you're like, Oh, I really don't want to tell anybody for the first trimester. And right. there is still, there was still this, like just really figuring it out and not trying to be an expert at what, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. I wasn't. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of how mm-hmm. it started. And then 12 weeks and I told everybody I was pregnant and everybody was like, then everyone was curious as to like, what are you going to do today? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so yeah. Oh my, oh yeah. my gosh. Oh my goodness. So, okay. So now for folks who don't know, please tell us how the two USA outdoor championships you ran when you're pregnant, how those races had two very different outcomes. Yeah. Um, well, so the first one that I ran at was in 2014, pregnant with my daughter, Linnea, who's now three years old. Um, that one was, um, so you mean the one that I ran in 2014, the both pregnant ones, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that one, I actually, <laughs> I'll tell you the startup of that one. I didn't know I was going to run at nationals. Um, oh. um, in 2014, I was just kind of like, you know, exercising, like I said, kind of navigating, making uh-huh. sure I was really staying healthy. Like when I say healthy, I mean, even like joints and bones and thinking about things like that as I was mm-hmm. navigating the shifting of my body weight. Mm-hmm. And um, I would go for these runs and my my delivery men, like, and I say this, people are like, you have like a regular delivery men. Like, what do you do? I'm like, I was just pregnant. So I was ordering like lots of stuff on Amazon. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you meant like, when you said, when a pregnant woman says delivery, I was like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. That's what you call your yeah. doctor. That's fine. Yeah. 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 These no, young kids. I have kids. like a regular relationship with my delivery men because I see him weekly being like, oh, this is a cute little onesie. Oh, you know. Um, anyways, so he started to notice I was pregnant and he was like, you're not, you're, you're not going to go for a run, are you? And I was like, I am. And it just felt weird that first of all, I'm like, like doing nothing wrong. And this person's like looking at you like, mm, okay. Oh like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. and I would just do it. And I was trying to fi- figure out a way to not be super defensive and mad or, you know, uh-huh. and just be like educational and whatever. And, uh-huh. um, I don't know. I just started to find it a little funny. I'd order things like a a maternity band and then uh-huh. be like pull open it in front of him nice. and order like, <laughs> shoes and put it on in front of him and every order's um, a teaching moment yes yeah right. yeah and then like his and then he was like you know when my wife was pregnant you know i told her not to she did should not exercise she she kept trying to go for runs and things like that and i was just like you need to relax and sit down and i was like oh my god i was like your your wife probably really would have appreciated it if you would encourage her and support her actually uh-huh. Uh-huh. And um, and he was all like, well, you know, how do you know X, Y, and Z? Was, and, you know, so I give him the spiel. So <laughs> so, <laughs> so it comes to pass, like I get this email from USA Track and Field that says, um, you know, the deadline to sign up for nationals is at, at this date. And I'm like looking at it and I'm looking, I look at my calendar. I look at the email and I'm like, huh? like one day to decide if I'm going to run at nationals and my friends I had two of my friends over and I was all like guys I'm I'm just I really think I want to run at nationals and they're like why wouldn't you they're like well, is there a rule so it was awesome having them around they're like is there a rule that pregnant women can't nice. run nationals nice. it just felt like nobody's like done it like yeah. you know but I'm like I just think and I had this conversation I was like I just think like nobody understands that this is fine to do like uh, Instagram and Twitter weren't so so big yet Twitter was a little bit bigger mm-hmm. Facebook was kind of a thing but it still was hard to share and mm-hmm. like you know have a lot of people see like you know share like positivity mm-hmm. and um and they're like you should act. I'm like yeah I don't know how many people have this platform I'm gonna I'm gonna sign up and we're sitting there all three of us together and my husband comes in and I'm like I'm signing up for national he's like let's do it sign oh, up nice. my, for nationals Good. and um and there we have it. Then I go online and I order my racing kit 
And that, <laughs> the, that, that was the last time um, I saw my delivery man before, until after I ran. And I just said, um, he, you know, I got this. I was like, oh, is this my racing kit? And he's like, you're going to rent a race. And I open it up and I put my shirt on. And I'm like, yeah, it fits. You know, just like I said, I would always make a scene about like anything running I was putting on. And uh, yeah, so I went to nationals and I ran. Um, and it was huge. It was, it was, I thought that it reached the running community, which I'd hoped to, but it went viral. It went global. Um, and my message really was just that, you know, I really wanted to one, um, be the advocate for women's maternal health and fitness and pregnancy. Um, I just felt like I had this platform that many women didn't. And I know if I was ridiculed in the amount that I was, which was much more minimal than I think other women in other parts of, you know, especially the United States of America and other parts of the world. Um, luckily I do live in the Bay area where like, you know, people are really like encouraging about things Mm -hmm. like that. But, um, I know that's not the case for everybody, especially because if I got it a little bit, and even when I traveled, I got it bigger other places. Yeah. Um, I knew that there were women that really needed that support system. And I was like, I'm, I'm fine. I will do that for you, for everybody. And I, I want to do it for everybody. And um, it was crazy because when I ran, I, um, I of course didn't expect to win. <laughs> There's three rounds in the, in trials to make a, World Championship team is what our USA Nationals is generally slated to make the um, World Championship team. You have to finish top three after uh-huh. finishing three rounds. Okay. Um, but I did not make it out the first round, finished last place. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was eight months pregnant, super huge. Um, and I had, um, I finished my, in a time of two minutes, I think in 32 seconds, which was um, light years behind my personal best of a minute and 57 seconds and it doesn't look like that much time I think to most people but for 800 meters it's only two laps on our track it's half mile that's a really long time well the per- <laughs> as a percentage I mean it you know that's yeah. almost a court 25 percent slower yeah exactly exactly mm-hmm. um but it wasn't the same as like my this last one because I think people still didn't know and they were like oh. um I I thought that it was positive because that's just kind of how I am. Like I kind of look towards positive comments and Mm -hmm. quickly scroll past negative ones anyways. And social media was way different too Mm -hmm. um, at the time. Um, But I had, you know, CNN reached out. I was, I was all over. I went to, I went on like basically a little tour in like a week of all the media outlets kind of just talking about it. And I felt it was so important to talk about why I ran. And most of my answers were like, they're like, why did you run? And I was like, why not? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really a question. I was having a healthy, uncomplicated pregnancy and I was told I, I could, and I felt that I could as well. Not just somebody telling you go mm-hmm. run. It's like, mm-hmm. I feel great. I can, I feel actually better. Um, and then the second time around, oh, so then, oh, sorry, I got to tell you a week later, I saw my delivery man and he said, thank you. <laughs> oh, oh good. Yeah. He said, I saw you on TV that was incredible. I get everything that you are doing now. Oh, that's awesome. Good. One delivery was, man at I'm a time. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He needs a name. I don't know his name. That's okay. I'm the same way with my UPS driver. Yeah. I feel like he's a member of the family and yeah. I don't know his first name. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I should tell him my name. But anyways, it was awesome. And we actually had a conversation afterwards. And he's like, you know, that was obviously years ago when my wife was pregnant and we had different information. And we had a full on talk about it. My whole point was to start the conversation. Like, yeah, let's, right. yeah. let's start this conversation. And, you know, fast forward to um, this past year in 2017, um, 
nationals rolls around again in June, the same time. And I'm pregnant now, uh, just touching five months pregnant, um, Mm -hmm. with baby number two. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was like, at first I was like, Oh, I don't know if I'm going to run. I don't want it to be like, you know, you're just running to run. But then I was like, no, like, why does it matter? I want to run at nationals. Mm -hmm. And we were still having this conversation that was more like not teetering. It was like 65% towards what are you doing? You know, at least it's closer to like, you know, yes, everybody let's, if you can do it, every pregnancy is different, but if you can go for it, why not? Um, and I just started to get a couple of conversations about it. And I was like, I gotta do this again. We're going to talk about it. Like I want to keep the conversation going. And at this time, social media is different. Now we were at a time where we were seeing, um, uh, you know, Instagram handles where, you know, people are like specifically about exercising and pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this yeah. is awesome. That wasn't there when I was pregnant with Lenae and after I ran at nationals, like I'd shared a couple of things and I just kind of felt still like uncomfortable sharing too much because I huh. just wanted to enjoy my pregnancy and I was just didn't want too much backlash. Yeah. yeah. This one, I'm like, bring it on. <laughs> but it's not like that. It's not like that. Everyone's like, yeah, what exercises are you doing? What, what bra do you wear? What did, you know, yeah. what exercises can I do? It's so different and I love it. And that's yeah. the whole point. You know, it's like advocacy is important. If you believe in something and you know, something is for the greater good of the community and for the people do it Yeah. because people are looking for a leader. They're looking for a voice that's echoing their same sentiments. I mm-hmm. love that. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, and do it in a Wonder Woman adorned <laughs> sports top. That's what <laughs> you got to do. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. And the Wonder Woman top was so interesting, too, for me, because I, I'm i actually painting a Wonder Woman top right now. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I didn't even know the movie was out. We are totally engulfed in three-year-old world. Uh-huh. <laughs> um and new, new I, Lego movies coming. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. And I was like, oh, there's like Cars 3 and 3D and yeah. whatever, all this stuff. But I'm like, oh, there's somebody invited me um, actually the week before Nationals to come see Wonder Woman. It was that day that I found out. And I actually bought a Wonder Woman shirt the day before because I was like, oh, what a cool Wonder Woman shirt. I just, I literally didn't know they had it out because. <laughs> oh, how retro. They have a Wonder Woman shirt. Yes, exactly my thoughts. I was like, this is awesome. I need this shirt. I'm never going to find it anywhere because this is not a thing. Obviously, it was becoming a huge thing. Um, and I loved the movie so much. Like, I was like, this is what we need right now. Like, with the political climate and mm-hmm. just women's rights. And we need this right now. This is so yeah. awesome. And raising a daughter and needing for her to see like strong role models not always the princess and the damsel in distress like this is awesome um and i was just you know of course now i'm on the wonder woman bandwagon i didn't know i was on (laughs) 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 so i'm looking online and i'm looking for this race kit because i um i don't have a shoe sponsorship at the moment um I was dropped from my sponsorship late December, not able to be in the market because usually if anybody was going to drop you from their sponsorship, like a Mm -hmm. major sponsorship, uh, shoe sponsorship, it'd be in October that you can be in negotiation. So I was kind of in a no man's land um, of sponsorship Mm -hmm. and uh, partly because I had become pregnant before and that was actually right after I'd become pregnant. um, They tried to reduce me at that time and this is just again it's just what we face in the workplace yep. yes. women 
and pregnant people that plan on having children, it's like, uh, and especially being a pregnant athlete, I'm like, okay, well, it's fine because I know my life is full and I'm not going to change the trajectory of how I'd love to live my life in a full manner. And that's going to give me happiness because you don't want to pay me Mm -hmm. in a world that is male dominated because Mm -hmm. I... I'm the person who can become pregnant in our family. <laughs> right. Um, right. And uh, so part of that was the empowerment of feeling all of that. And, and when I chose this race kit, it was part of feeling all that and being like, you know, I'm, I'm happy. I'm in a good place. I can, I'm able, I'm, I'm an advocate for women's rights. I feel the inspiration that other women give me in turn. I give them ins- hopefully inspiration back. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so I bought this Wonder Woman shirt and I felt that amongst not only being a woman and a pregnant woman and the disempowerment that is kind of thrown at us that people are trying to give us and the power that you take back, you are fully empowered. Um, I felt as a black woman, there's a lot that we need positive role models and mm-hmm. encouragement as well. And I wanted for the Wonder Woman to be able to resemble all of us. Oh, and awesome. so for me in particular, wearing my, my Wonder Woman shirt, I wanted it to be able to resemble me oh, and what I was oh. I was gonna do. So that's I made this racing kit that was Wonder Woman resembling me. She had blue eyes, but it's still fine. <laughs> <laughs> Contact lenses, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> details, details. Um, so yeah, so that's, um, that's kind of what it, I, I did. And I also found out that um, Gal Gadot, who is the woman who played Wonder Woman, yeah, yeah, she played, um, she filmed half the movie at the same amount pregnant I was. She was just yeah. touching oh five months pregnant. Amazing, yep. Yep. and That's I was great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so, well, speaking of yeah. what you wear in a race, um, can you take us through the thoughts and mind process that led up to you deciding to wear a flower in your hair when you race? Yeah. yeah um, so it's kind of funny because I started doing this very young. I started wearing a flower in my hair around junior high school, about 11, 12 years old. Um, oh. And it was just in sport in general. Um, I actually played, like I said, I grew up with a bunch of boys and we would play um, street hockey all the time. <laughs> we would play, yeah, we'd play um, flag, tackle. I like to kind of whistle like the tackle part because I'm like, I definitely don't feel like you should be ta- playing tackle football without a helmet. Yep, but, yep. Okay. but yeah, but we were kids and we were like, it was like kind of like a wrestle down sort of tackle anyways. Sometimes. Okay. I'm totally dubbing it down. No, we were definitely, <laughs> we were definitely going hardcore. Okay. All right. Um, it was a different anyways, time, a different time. Yeah. yeah. Different right. Time. Children be safe, wear helmets. Like, uh, but, um, Anyway, so I, 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 like I said, I was a girl growing up in an era where it was Be Like Mike, and I was the only one, and it was still the, a different, yeah, like a different time where, you know, girls, you know, you, not as many were, you know, huge faces in sport, and mm-hmm. um, and it's just, nat- for me, it's very natural to be athletic and be a part of sport and be a little rougher and love dirt and worms and spiders and... <laughs> just all those things that felt like you weren't a girl if you did that. And it just, it, and that's not the truth. Like you could be whoever you want to be. Yeah. Um, your gender is just something you were born with, you know, mm-hmm. or your sex. So mm-hmm. um, in that regard, of course, in my environment that I was in, I never felt different. They never made me feel like girl, quote unquote girl, like the outside world kind of at that time would make you feel like, oh no, she can't play with us. But mm-hmm. when I would play with 
other boys, they would be like, your sister cannot play with us. Mm -hmm. She's going to get hurt. We have to play easier. Like, she's just not going to be able to play. Or they'd think that I couldn't hold my own. But my cousins and my brother, they always encourage me. They've given me so much to be the woman that I am today. And I have to, I have to mention that it's so important that our men um, raise and our women, we raise our boys to do, to empower women just in the same way we're empowering our little girls Mm -hmm. to be powerful women. And um, they did a great job with that. And so I never felt like out of place. So we play um, our football games on a regular basis. And I, um, I basically told them, I was like, guys, don't worry about it. I'm going to play free safety. I always played free safety on defense, which is the last defense person Mm -hmm. before the opposite team can score a touchdown. Okay. And so they're like, yeah, Lacey, you go free safety. They'd call me Icebox from this movie called Little Giant, which was a girl. <laughs> if you've seen the movie, there was, a little, there was a girl that was like the same sort of like, oh, I'm going to rip you apart. <laughs> and um, they're like, okay, Icebox, get in the back. And I'd get in the back and I was feeling myself. And I was wearing actually a pink, um, I was wearing a pink soccer shirt, you know, from like when I was five years old, but it was like fit kind of cool now that I was like 11. <laughs> And, um, and then I, I was, I didn't have flour in my hair at this time. And this kid that was being the worst about me playing with him passes all of our, our defense guys and starts sprinting towards the touchdown. And I literally, I'm not kidding. You know, these, they say these in books and in movies. Like I saw red, like I was <laughs> pissed. Like I just go sprinting over him with all of my might. And I die from maybe like, I don't know. I want to say like a foot out and just give him every single bit of my upper body and my shoulder and just tackle him to the ground. We go sliding and there's a daisy on the, in the grass and I pick it up and I go, and I'm a girl. And I, wow, <laughs> that's a great story. Like, you know, I give him it. every single bit of just a sassy little, like fierce 11 year old. And I feel that way to this day. Like, why not? You know? And, and so ever since then, I always wear a flower in my hair whenever I played sports or, anything like that and then of course like running it was the jump off point for all of that so it stayed 11 years 11 years old and now I'm 31 and I'm still rocking the flower you are nice icebox nice (laughs) thank you (laughs) yeah and I think I think the other part when we think about strength I think people think that you have to like embody a man when you think about strength, and I just thought it was so important that I can be in the form that I am. I'm a, I'm a woman and we are strong and I can be fully embody that. I can also like nail polish. I can also mm-hmm. like lipstick exactly. and I can right. be strong. You know, yeah. I can also like dresses. I can also like pink mm-hmm. um, and I can love flowers. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So has becoming a mother changed the way you train? And if so, how? Um, I think in many ways, yes. Um, obviously, I'm a, before I had my daughter, a single woman. I mean, I'm married, but you know, still single woman. <laughs> <laughs> do whatever I need to do, whenever I need to do it. I'll see you when I get home. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love Alicia for so many reasons. I, I know. I know. This is. <laughs> we're all jotting down quotes here. <laughs> But, um, but of course, in motherhood, there, you've got to really, like, you have to agree on this person and how you're doing your schedule and your time. And um, so in terms of training in that way, absolutely. First of all, postpartum, I decided I was going to nurse for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's it's part of my personality like i the my pediatrician recommended if i could to nurse for a year and so i'm that type of person i'm like you know maybe middle ground perfectionist probably top of the end (laughs) (laughs) where i was like okay well now that's on the goal list it's nurse for a year so i made a schedule of how i was going to be able to do that and train and um for that that was so crazy i basically you know everybody doesn't do the schedule life with Mm -hmm. with kids and i totally get it it works for whatever however your family needs it but we we did read a book 12 hours by 12 weeks and that was like our first focus was getting her to sleep because that's important Mm -hmm. like her sleep is important but also our sleep is important uh, for so many reasons Yeah. (laughs) yeah um and we started where it'd be like okay you know kind of try to figure out uh, help them figure out what day and night is and so my first the beginning of you know postpartum journey was really helping of course my daughter um understand she is now on the outside (laughs) (laughs) here we are um and then it was about getting she and i in sync as closely Mm -hmm. as possible so that i can now operate as like a person in the world (laughs) as well um and so we got on this schedule where I would I of course it was about two weeks the next day after my daughter was born she was back up to her birth weight so that was also helpful wow so she was helping me out (laughs) um and then at uh it was a week postpartum they the the our pediatrician gave us the thumbs up to let her just sleep as long as she wanted to sleep at night and so that was about, she gave us five hours that first time. Um, wow. And I was like, ha, ah, that was great. Which That's five hours one is, week to me after? Is, wow. Oh, when she was a week old, she gave you five hours? She gave me five hours at a week old, yeah. Wow. But again, I have to reiterate, she was back up to her birth weight pretty quick. Right. And she latched well, she ate well. Um, and then, so, and then about two weeks, um, uh, she, she did the thing that most newborns do apparently where they start waking up again like every hour so just have to rewind and tell you that I was going to say you got to get hate yeah. mail yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know that's what I said I tried not to share this because yeah. like I already knew the stories and then and then that only lasts about three to four days and then she kind of helped me get on a, on a schedule um by six weeks, she was sleeping 12 hours through the night. And I, I actually will not say that with my next kid, if my next kid sleeps really well, because now she wakes up, like, almost every night. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, yeah, she slept, uh, you know. She, she regressed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Six weeks old, she slept 12 hours. She ate. She was eating every four hours at that um, time. And it was so our schedule was 8, 12, 4, and 8. Uh-huh. And then did it again. So she really did help me, uh, to be completely honest. Okay. Um, and my schedule would be, I'd wake up in the morning, I'd nurse her, uh-huh. I'd drain the dragons, is what I called them. <laughs> 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 and then and then I'd, I'd jet, I'd, my husband, luckily, my husband works from home. He actually took, I would say, a paternity leave. Uh-huh. Um, which was so helpful in our household in 2017. That That's like families can have a different dynamic. And um, I gave, I would be like, okay, you know, be, I have got rules. I, of course, I'm mom. So I'm like, make sure she X, Y's, and Z's. She, you know, uh-huh, you uh-huh. go for a walk at this time. Make sure you point out the leaves and the color of the leaves. 
<laughs> These are the songs she likes, <laughs> sung in this key. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and then, um, so that's what we would do. Ten, she would take a nap at 10 o'clock. I was still at practice. I'd, of course, check in. And then at 11.45, oh every goodness. single time, I would start to feel tingles uh -huh. in my dragons. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like my alarm to be like, practice is over. So I'd get to practice at 8.30. I'd get, be done by 11.30, you know, drink all my water, eat a ton of food, and then get in the car at 11.45. And I could start feeling like, it's time to get home. I got to be there by 12 o'clock. And by 12 o'clock every single day, I was had her in my arms, nursed her, put her down for a nap. So that's how we did nice. the first eight months, uh -huh. just like that every single day and it didn't feel like it didn't feel strange to me it felt like I'm just doing my life the way my life is right now and then I would take a nap with her at the Aww. eat lunch take a nap with her at the 12 o'clock um one o'clock time she'd mm -hmm. get up I think it was around three o'clock mm -hmm. um and then I'd kind of push it till you know she was fine but it was like till about um, four o'clock, uh -huh. give her that, n n like give her the good stuff. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd go for a second session and wow. I didn't start exercising again till like doing a full on regimen till about three months postpartum. Uh -huh. Um, I was able to start running again pretty early. Like I gave, I was given the thumbs up at, uh, three weeks postpartum. I just wow. didn't necessarily feel uh -huh. like ready. Uh -huh. I felt like there was a lot of stuff I had to do. Like I had to try to get, um, my core together, um, I had to do strength and stuff. So even though I was giving the thumbs up, I didn't start till about six weeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Good. Good. But in general, she's given me a great, you know, I think most people say this, your perspective is way different. I think by yourself as a solo mm -hmm. pro athlete, female athlete, you just get to do what you spend your time relatively to yourself when you want to. And I don't obviously have that the same way, but it was also great because it was a great distraction from caring about things that kind of probably made my running worse like mm. you just overthink things yep mm -hmm. yeah there's no time mm -hmm. for overthinking so, as a mom there's no time for overthinking yeah, i'm like oh this yeah, is a different yourself. color yeah. poop yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not your own you're staring at it's someone and else's it's not my own. yeah and then you get done with doing all that and then it's time to go train again or go to sleep or yeah so yeah, yeah awesome. well yeah. Alicia, I uh, have first admitted that I want to eat your child, yeah. and now, <laughs> now I've got to admit that I read a quote from you on your Wikipedia page, uh -huh. um, and it says, quote, my life philosophy has been to be bold and courageous. Um, do you feel that this is what influences you to run boldly in races up in the front, challenging other runners to keep up with you? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I really... I mean, that's been my life philosophy since before I was interviews, people cared about in doing interviews with me, you know. Um, I definitely think that it's a very much, you know, got to grab life by the horn type of, uh, type of approach. Mm -hmm. um, I think that we don't give ourselves enough opportunities to see our greatness. Mm. And... Um, I think a lot of it is societal. A lot of it is, you know, just, you know, either comparing yourself to somebody else, feeling like you're not adequate enough, comparing, you know, comparing yourself instead of seeing ourselves kind of in a, in a position to also be role models, but while lifting each other up, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be one or the other. Mm -hmm. I think there was a quote that was rolling around that was driving me nuts. That was like, um, girls competed against each other, women, 
like eat, lift each other up or something. And I said, they don't, they don't, they can like go together. They don't mm-hmm. have to be separate. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. Good. We can do both. And, um, I think that in part of me being bold was to say, Hey, I really want to give myself an opportunity to see myself, to see all of my training through, to give myself, not look at somebody else's race and how they were going to run it and say, Oh my gosh, I can only run uh, fast or have a potential to run quicker on this day. If she does and she does and she does. So instead, I was like, I'm going to be a leader in this role. And if you want to come with me, you can. But what I want to do is I want to see what I have. I want to see what I have today because I know and we know this more than ever, um, especially as we go through life, that tomorrow isn't promised. And I want to see this through. I want to know, okay, I have a little bit more I get in myself. Oh, I felt that. And I never put like chains or or restrictions on my ability to see that through. And I think that's also, like I said, a life philosophy. I get to see it in running, but then I carry it with me in so many other areas in my life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why people gravitate towards running. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. you can, running can be translated to so many other areas of your life. And I think, you know, mostly us on the run wagon (laughs) understand that. Yeah. 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 You know, we... We oh. see the light. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I got to tell you that you saying we don't give ourselves enough opportunities yep. to see our greatness. I mean, that is yep. going to carry. I have a, I'm running my 14th marathon on October 1st, and that is just going to carry me into that. Yeah. That, that oh. to see that, to be excited about rather than dreading it, you know, yes. to, mm-hmm. to yeah. see what you can do because you're so right in our daily life. It can just be kind of getting through rather than mm-hmm. stepping up and, and showing it and being proud of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Will you be exactly. my the life The fact guru? that you're even running, by the way, a 14th marathon <laughs> is incredible in itself. But then, like, you see yourself as, again, doing it for yourself. Mm-hmm. But there's so many other people that are looking towards that and being like, yes, that's awesome. You know what? I want to be able to give myself an opportunity to see my goals through. Mm-hmm. And I want to give myself another chance at this. Mm-hmm. And we think sometimes even when we try something one time mm-hmm. and it maybe doesn't turn out the way that we want it to, that, you know, maybe that isn't for us. And sometimes it's like, no, maybe try it in a different way. Or like, does, what did it, what else did you learn from it besides mm-hmm. that, you know, maybe that massive goal that you had, what else was there? Cause there's lots of positive spins that you can put on things oh. that give you more yep. than you, than you were expecting to get from what you thought you were going to get out of it. Yeah. I am an eternal optimist. And I, um, I have said to my business partner several times that I can pretty much pull a positive out of any workout I have. Yeah, you know? can, like, can, I can yeah. slice yeah. and dice and find the sliver of goodness within that workout. And, and focus on it, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know? I love that. That's yeah. awesome. And that's just going to carry you through. Best of luck in that marathon. You're you're amazing. Oh. 14 marathons. Oh, my goodness. I don't even... oh, my goodness. Yeah. You are a dear heart. Um, so um, let's ask you one last question. When you look past the birth of your second baby, what do you see for your running career? And what will your approach to resuming running postpartum? Are you going to treat it the same way as you did with after the birth of Linnea? Mm-hmm. Well... I'll start with one thing. Um, I'm very much a like one step at a time type of person mm-hmm. in, in, I'd say maybe 95% sort of manner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I of course plan. I am, I do plan, uh-huh. but I like to, I want to be able to like, let it happen the way kind of Linnea happened, uh, Linnea did. Cause otherwise I feel like you can kind of be like, if the steps aren't happening the way they should be happening, mm-hmm. like, how do I, how do I do this anyway? Mm-hmm. You know? And mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, I'll say that first and foremost, but I do think it's important to have some sort of plan. Yeah. Um, like I think people, 
one of my friends is pregnant for the first time and she's like, some of my friends are telling me not to have a birth plan. I was like, you don't, you can do whatever you want. If you don't want to have a birth plan, don't have a birth plan. But I will say, she's a pro runner as well. I'm like, I will say, do you have a plan when you show up to a race? Mm-hmm. She's like, I do. And I was all like, okay. And you don't know how the outcome of the race is going to be, right? Oh, that's she's good. like, right. And I was that's like, good. so, I mean, it could help you to just at least have an idea of what you would like. Mm-hmm. That way you can manifest it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then if things start to go a little bit different, you know how to adapt and you know how to accept change. Yep. Just, you know, so that was my advice to her. I'm, of course, do whatever you want to do. But that's just to be not just to be the person that's to say, like, don't have a birth plan. Because I'm like, you could do that, but you could also do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, but as far as my life goes postpartum, um, I plan on running as long as I can. Mm-hmm. I've already had to modify way sooner than I did with Linnea. Oh, uh-huh. um, you know, like I was able to do runs, straight runs a little bit longer. Um, and then these, this, I'm just like the baby sits, it, this one sits in more uncomfortable positions mm. than Linnea did. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I find that one of the most what? aggravating things about, it. it's like, no, right there's not good. That's no, <laughs> yeah, that's not going to help me today. Um, and that's just happened. And again, I'm, I'm running around with Linnea, so my time is a little bit, you know, different. Like, I've got to figure out, you know, those sort of things. But even yesterday, like, I had actually a phenomenal – I was running around and I was sending a bunch of thank yous for a ton of people that helped me with my friend's um, memorial that we had on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And um, so, like, you know, I went in and I was like, I'm going to do 30 minutes, at least 30 minutes, and this is the workout I'm going to do. And I had it, like, laid out. I'm going to do a mile warm-up. And I'm going to do 400, 300, 200, 100 run mm-hmm. and then do these exercises in between. That worked out great. It was perfect. But then I was kind of bummed because I was like, oh, that actually would have been a perfect straight run day because I felt so great. Oh, huh. And then today I was like, well, I'm just going to run tomorrow. But then today I didn't feel that way. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Maybe it was like, no, I need the hammock right here. <laughs> <laughs> so if you see on my Instagram, I'm like slogging through. It. And if you saw the day before, you're like, you looked really like strong and fast. <laughs> um, so I know that those sort of things can happen. So with postpartum with this um, baby, I plan on really getting on my core ASAP, uh-huh. uh, especially because I did have diastasis mm-hmm. um, postpartum with Linnea. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's likely that I will have a, de- a larger degree again. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm already kind of enlisted somebody to help me right away. Mm-hmm. Um, just get on that right away. So that's what my focus is going to be. Um, again, I'm gonna, I, I plan on doing the same thing I did last time. I was advised to start walking right away. Like the day I gave birth with Linnea, I walked a mile. Oh, wow. I walked, yeah, I, I was able to go home 12 hours later, which was awesome. Good. Like I, Great. my house is like two miles from the hospital and I was all like, I know, I know protocol, <laughs> but if I fall within the ranks of like, you're good to go, can I just leave? Yeah. <laughs> Please tell me you I'm didn't so... contemplate walking home at least. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I did contemplate walking oh. home, but I did contemplate walking to the hospital when I was in labor. Oh, there wow. you go. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> like, it's a real... way to get things moving, literally and figuratively. That's right. You know? literally, literally and figuratively. I was, li- I seriously, my mom, well, okay, let me stick on this story and then I'll tell you my birth story, a piece of it if you want. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> but, 
um, yeah, so I plan on doing that postpartum, um, just starting walks right away. It was a mile only, not because I wanted to walk a mile, but I needed to get to the coffee shop. <laughs> You're my kind of gal, Alicia. <laughs> so, so it was like a half mile to the coffee shop. I drink my coffee and then a half mile to get home. So that's actually how that worked out <laughs> for like the first, that was the first three weeks that I did that. And then, you know, I started like a little fast walking routine for another week and then you know kind of start implementing core and strength and I plan to do the same thing for the first six weeks as long as the go-ahead's the same okay um and then last time like I said it was three months before I was able to do an actual workout besides just trying to build up my mileage Mm -hmm. and I liked that I didn't feel rushed I am I walk I ran at national six months postpartum um and that wasn't because I had it on my schedule and I plan on doing that again. I don't want to put a race on the schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, I want it to just come and just feel like you're ready for this. And I, it was again, four weeks before nationals postpartum. And I was like, I just did a really awesome workout. I'm going to go, I'm going to go to nationals. I don't care if I get last place. I just want to be in the environment. I want to feel that uncomfortableness with the nerves and mm-hmm. you know, yeah. how am I, how are you going to do? And that like just weird gut you know, you that weird gut feeling before you get ready to run and you put yourself on the, out there, you know, for yep. everybody to see. Yep. So I just wanted to feel that. I know it's strange. It's weird. I was ready for it. And I ended up winning. <laughs> oh, oh, my wow. Yeah. So, yeah. wow. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. So I hope to have something along those same lines. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I got to mm-hmm. say that the, the organizers of nationals must be like, would that Alicia please figure out ahead of time? Like they can, t- <laughs> you know, you're making them wait down to the last wire for every, every year's competition. Yep, everyone, is she going to run this year? And I never answer. I'm like, am I? You know? I know and, and they probably think you're being like all cagey and like this is a ploy. And it's like, nope, nope, just that's how I roll. Just just keep it on doing what I do, yeah. living my life. Yeah, yeah no, I think. <laughs> living the golden life, yeah. Well, after. And it's funny because it's funny they're like, last time you ran, we had, last time you ran pregnant, it, nationals was in Sacramento. So like every time we have nationals in Sacramento, you're going to be pregnant. And I was like, that sounds like a good plan. <laughs> Is your husband on board with that? <laughs> my, my husband, you know, I actually have to slow him down. He was like, we're going to have six kids. I was like, Ooh. you or me? Yeah. <laughs> you and who else? <laughs> I love kids. I lo- I'm loving being a mom, but I'm just saying, like, I got to be pregnant six times yep, yep. for that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, I wanted to share with you just really quick yes. my, when I was saying yeah. I, uh, my, just a piece of my, my labor, um, my mom came like I actually gave birth to Linnea I my water broke at 2 30 um p.m and I gave birth to her at 2 29 a.m so 12 hours later Uh and nobody believed I was gonna I mean I didn't know this is my first life but like they're like oh you're a first time mom you're not in it's not that serious you're just gonna take you forever but I was like things are happening I don't know about you guys I was like Lou you should probably we were Lou and I were in my house and um, I think it was 2.30, my water broke. My midwife had me come in and just to check on the baby, see if we can labor at home. was able to do all that. I went back home and had my husband make me chili. And someone was, she was like, are you sure you want to eat chili? Because uh, we might see like, it later. Yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I was like, I absolutely do. But uh, sorry about that for you, you know. <laughs> and uh, and he made me a big pot of chili. I ate the whole thing. I, <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> but I ate it. I, listen, I started eating it. Uh-huh. And started to feel contractions. It was about six o'clock, and I was watching Curb Your Enthusiasm. (laughs) Second episode starts, and he starts to get really annoying to me. And I love Larry, but he was like getting so annoying. I was like, "Can you turn it off?" And 
And then he was like, what do you want to, do you need some, I'm like, I need a little bit of noise. Like I need something. He's like, what do you want to listen to? I was like, put on meditation radio on Pandora. And it was like Indian whistle flutes. And it's like, oh, no. <laughs> like, wow. But I was like, oh, yeah, exactly. And I go, I literally look at Leo, I go, I'm feeling this. <laughs> and we just had that playing and then it started to get dark. It was, we did the lights. We were totally the hippie scene. Oh, if you could just goodness, imagine yeah. that. Yeah. that's what we were and um i'm so mad like i i'm the type of person i was like ah, i really wish you would film that obviously in the moment that was not what we were thinking <laughs> but i was like i want to see myself you know being all funny looking um <laughs> and uh time rolls by and i'm like it's about it was uh, probably about 8 30 at this time and lou hadn't contacted my parents or anything like that and i'm like we should probably call my mom mm -hmm. you know and he's all like no 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 we're gonna wait and I was like no I seriously think because she lives in Southern California I was like I seriously think oh. you should call her it's like last flight out type of deal he he messages her he's counting contractions on his phone I didn't have to worry about the contraction times mm -hmm. and um he tells her you know okay well Alicia's in labor and my mom I didn't know this at the time but she literally started just driving towards the airport oh my goodness wow. didn't have a flight or anything started <laughs> driving towards the airport got there and got a flight wow. like that was leaving in about I think it was like 20 minutes the flight oh was goodness. leaving she and my aunt <laughs> so southwest woohoo ding ding love them um so she got on that flight it takes you 45 minutes to get here so she was here in like the drop of a hat I was seriously surprised when I heard a knock on my door I was like who is that what time is it and it was nine it was it's about nine man, huh? yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly it's the living man like, I love you but come on it was about 10 o'clock at this time and um my husband throws her the keys because I was like, get out of here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, um, and then he throws in the key. So she and my aunt go for a drive. And it was about, I was like 11 o'clock. I was like, Lou, I think my mom needs to get here. Like this baby's coming out right now. And she's, he's like, uh, okay. And I don't, he's totally calm. He's very like calm on the outside, maybe dying on the inside type of guy. <laughs> and he's telling my mom, she's got to get back. And I don't know what's going on. I'm like, where are they? And I'm trying to stay calm because I'm trying to, I wanted to get, give birth um, without any um, drugs. Uh -huh. And so I was like really trying to, you know, keep the calm thing going. And I finally was like, we're calling an Uber. You know, <laughs> I, was getting, I was like looking at my phone. I didn't have the Uber app on my phone. And then I'm like, okay, we need to hail a taxi. I live in a, like Berkeley. Okay. Uh -huh. So there's no taxis that are just driving by. It's not New York, New York City. Right. So I'm standing outside in my robe. My legs are like open. I'm sitting on my curb and my hands are up looking for a taxi. And I'm just like, Lou, I'm walking there. And I start walking down the street with, I had a BOSU ball in my hand. Oh. And like, <laughs> I start walking down the street until my mom pulls up and she honks the horn. I go, don't honk at me. <laughs> get in the car. And uh, yeah. And by the time we get, she gets there about 12 o'clock, turns out, she ended up getting pulled over oh. for speeding back. Oh my goodness! And she was like waiting to prove to the to the officer that she, my daughter's in labor. He was like, "Yeah, right," you know. <laughs> and then he was like, "If you just, I, I've pulled out my ID and stuff. If you'd allow me to show you my phone, uh -huh. I'm I can show you like my phone is going nuts right now with her." And then finally he let her, and he was like, "Okay," he let her go, with no ticket, wow. like that. He's like, "Go, yeah." Wow. So she came. And took us to the hospital. I got there about twelve thirty, and then two thirty, Linnea was there. Oh my goodness! Wow. I want to know if that officer then ended up like following you on Instagram to like <laughs> see, like, oh yeah, she really did give birth. Okay, that was a good move on my part. That's actually a, 
That's actually a good question. That's I would care to know that. Yeah. I was like, Mom, how much information did you give right. him about that me? That police officer, the delivery man, probably follows yeah. you on Instagram. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. all. Yeah, right? that's right. We're all we're all connected now. <laughs> right, that's right. So yeah, that's my mini birth story. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, yeah. Alicia, I think we could talk to you all day long, and I just want to say oh. that I know that everybody who's listening loves you as much as we do listening to you mm-hmm. talk, and you're just your spirit and your attitude and your humor you just you rock yeah so. I, I want you oh, to be my life you. coach okay yeah. that's that's your that's what you yeah. can do yeah, after, running. after professional yeah. running yeah that's what i want oh, yeah. Yeah. i'll be you. your i'll thank be your you. first client yeah yeah okay perfect sign you up awesome awesome well we will be watching you on social media to see when you know baby number two makes its appearance so um take good care and thanks so much for joining us and wishing you much happiness thank you for having me i really appreciate it Hey there, hope you enjoyed listening to that conversation as much as Elsa and I loved recording it. We're so excited to hear news of Alicia's baby next month. We are also excited to announce that we have opened up the registration for our spring 2018 retreat. It is going to be in lovely Ogden, Utah. And we opened registration a couple days ago and it's almost half full. So do not delay, particularly because there's a price increase on November 1st. So hop on registration now to save 50 bucks. And it is going to be from May 17th to 20th, centered around the Ogden Marathon, Half Marathon, and Marathon Relay. We're really excited for it. For all the details, go to visitogden.com AMR. Again, that's visitogden.com AMR. Our podcast is a member of the ACAST Network, and our show today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles. 